This is Na Slovensku aj po anglicky. I'm your host, Jeremy Hill. Look at our family now. I already lost my family once. Family just got bigger. <laughs> There's always room for family. He's right. We're family. Now I know you guys are family, so I'm offering you a chance right now to make that family whole again. If the Fast and Furious film franchise has taught us anything, besides cars go vroom, it's that family is everything. Whether they be the ones that create us, or the ones we create ourselves, families are the foundation of human civilization. These relationships can offer light in dark times, and unparalleled joy in good times. So when we are separated from our loved ones, or sadly lose someone, our lives can become downright unbearable. This is a fact of life for every person on the planet. However, for migrants, this dynamic is much more complex. This is what we are looking at in this episode. Through the personal stories of migrants, we will explore what it means to leave our families behind and what it is like to build a family in Slovakia. This is the first of three episodes where we'll be talking about our relationships as migrants in Slovakia. It is also part of a series in which I, with the support of Fusion, outline the migrant experience here. We hope to answer the questions of why do people move to Slovakia? What are the essential features of life for foreigners here? And why do some eventually choose to leave? For this episode, let's start with perhaps the most painful part of the migration experience, separation. While some migrants do come to Slovakia with their families, many others come alone. No doubt leaving loved ones behind can be tremendously difficult for all parties. Our families at home may feel hurt or fearful about our decision to leave. Sometimes that fear is based on assumptions about Slovakia. Here's Daria from Russia. The parents from, uh, of my husband are from very usual village of Russia, which is like, I don't know, this is the kingdom of prejudices, let me say so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so um, they were very um, suspective about Europe or suspicious, sorry, suspicious. And um, then they came <laughs> and they were really surprised and excited about the trip. And then they said that they won't come, they wouldn't come back because then they wouldn't know how to leave their back. <laughs> so. Here's Brielle from the United States. It still mm. continues to be a real point of tension for yeah. all of us. Um, not for us, like not for me personally. I don't feel tense or upset about it, but um, my brothers really have a hard, hard, hard time with it. Um, mm. it. It's really kind of done a lot of damage to our relationships, unfortunately, because they just can't come to terms with the fact that we're living here and that we are living here for the foreseeable future. My mom is okay with it. My mom is pretty flexible and and open about it. Um, And she comes to visit us as much as she can with her work schedule. She still works full time. So she's, but she likes coming, you know, like she's like up for anything, but my brothers, um, 
find it just hard to understand kind of our whole lifestyle. It's not just about being in Slovakia, but we, we live really in different, different sorts of lives. And so the fact that we're in Slovakia is like another layer of difficulty for them. While families can grow used to the separation over time, it never ceases to feel like a loss. My mother reminds me of this frequently. I let her describe it in her own words. Well, when my son told me that he was moving halfway around the world, I was sad. I was hurt. I wanted him here with me and whatever children he may have. When he left, I begged him not to go. He did not speak the language in that country very well. I told him he would starve to death when he got there. I would love to see my grandchildren and my daughter-in-law and my son. When he left, he said that he would be back, and it was over 10 years before he came home. Very, very difficult. I depend a lot on God for my strength in everything that I do. If you don't have strength, it is not an easy thing to do. In fact, it's just about impossible not to be sad, angry. You have to have some kind of happy medium in there. I brag about my son. I show pictures of he and his wife and his children in the country that he lives in. It gives me a topic of conversation. (laughs) I love my family. That's all I can say. But not every family struggles with this separation the same way. In some families, this nomadic lifestyle is the norm, like for Steve from the UK. They were quite, I would say, open-minded. Bearing in mind, I'm from a multicultural family anyway, and we literally have family all over the globe. Um, Right Mm -hmm. now, my brother lives in South Africa. Um, my father and mother divorced, so my father lives here in New Zealand, my mother's in London. Um, she's from a multicultural background, so again, I have uh, family in Malaysia, uh, Sweden, Germany, North America, South America, um, and, and on the British side in Australia and New Zealand. So literally almost every continent of the globe, my, my family's quite used to this sort of multicultural um global living is so quite weird in some ways. It's not I'm not from a, your average family, I would say. Separation can also be a blessing in disguise, like for Leah from the United States. And like, obviously it was hard for them. Like I'm their oldest and like, especially like their oldest daughter, the first one to ever leave. Um, but I think they've, they've handled it really well. And I think more than anything, like my siblings have, I've, I've been able to connect with them more because, you know, they know they don't get to see me in person all the time so when we do like get to call and and talk they they're just way more excited so it's it's actually been really good for my family relationships like the distance has actually helped us grow closer together unfortunately no amount of time or distance can prepare these migrants for the loss of a loved one This is my father playing with our then two-year-old daughter. Sadly, this is the last time the two would ever see each other again, because my father died suddenly and unexpectedly a year after we arrived in Slovakia. 
My father would never get to see my daughter grow into the wonderful young lady she is today, and she would never benefit from my father's humor and easygoing spirit that made him a real joy to be around. During my first year in Slovakia, my father had become my therapist and comic relief when I needed it most. He patiently listened to my complaints about my mother-in-law and comforted me when I underwent cancer treatments. He made that first year bearable, and I still miss him every day. But what made his death all the more devastating was the distance. The night he died, we spoke about how he wasn't feeling well. He gave me an uneasy feeling, so I tried to check on him later that day, but he didn't answer the phone. I had no way of reaching him, and I knew that something was wrong. Once I received that awful news the next day, I was confronted with a terrible realization that I was at least a two days trip away from home. I had to organize the funeral services via telephone on route while feeling lost and alone. But I was lucky. I was able to borrow money for all the expenses and I had a wonderful boss who allowed me the time off to be with my family. Sadly, many other migrants must suffer these losses without the advantages that I had. In fact, some may never be able to return home in order to grieve properly. Of course, family is not only the people we leave behind in our home countries. Many migrants build new families while living in Slovakia. They marry Slovaks and have Slovak children. This family building is a challenging endeavor even in our home countries but mixing cultures and expectations complicates the experience. The first challenge these foreigners often face is gaining acceptance from their new Slovak families. Here's Jamie from Scotland. Yeah, I met, I met them briefly. I, I went out to the, the village where they lived. And uh, mm -hmm. it's a really interesting experience, by the way, because my Slovak was like non-existent back then. And it's still not amazing either, but I'm trying. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was like... Um, like when they saw me, it was like seeing an alien from Mars or something. Because like yeah. for them in the village, it's like a f there's not a lot of foreigners that go there. Very, very few. And when there are, they're normally like, why are you here? And what do you want? And they're a little suspicious. But when you show them who you are, they, they, the walls start to come down a little bit and they, they're a bit nicer with you. They, 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 they put the guard down, if that's the best way to put it. Like my wife's father, yeah, yeah, he was a really nice guy and still is a mm -hmm. nice guy. Um, but I think with my my mother-in-law, I don't think so. I think she was a bit more reserved. And mm -hmm. but to be honest, I think a lot of foreigners have the same problem uh, with mother-in-laws for some, which is really really interesting. Uh, I think <laughs> yeah. almost not saying all the foreigners I met have had this problem. But I'd say like ninety percent of the foreigners I met have had problems with their mother-in-law, which is really interesting because I'm trying to figure out why. <laughs> Maybe it's a little history there, a bit of culture, possibly, but, you know, not easy. But things are better now. You know, since we got married, <laughs> things are much better now. And mm -hmm. I think people have accepted that. And, you know, I'm not going away. And, <laughs> I'm, yeah. and I've been with my wife for, uh, well, for quite a number of years. And now we have children together. So, yeah, that says a lot, I would say. Um, I would say shock is not... Um, a strong enough word for for what they continue to experience having me as their daughter-in-law. Um, I don't think, I think I can say with confidence, it was literally never in the realm of possibility for them. It, it was never something they entertained. 
So it really blindsided them and continues to blindside them, I think. So the foreigner aspect is just generally speaking, like, wow, what do we do with this? Like Slovaks tend to just be homogenous, stick to themselves. You know, both my in-laws were born and raised in Slovakia. They're 100% Slovak, just a classic Slovak family. So just the idea of foreigner um, is kind of like a first red flag, right? Even if I had been Czech or Polish or Hungarian, right? Like nationalities and cultures they're familiar with, it still would have been a shock. But the second layer is that I'm American and um I think that for them growing up in, you know, Soviet Czechoslovakia and all of the propaganda against the West, that of course sticks with people. And there's a lot of still kind of, I don't know, like a little undercurrent here, I would say that's anti-American, even though a lot of people do kind of have this American dream in their minds, like, wow, you're from America. I'd like to visit there. What's it like? So I, I see kind of both things from Slovaks. Like, we're interested in America, but we also don't really like America, right? So for my in-laws, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. generation, it is just, yeah, I think that they will never get over the fact that I'm their daughter-in-law. Um, her parents at first were a little bit sceptical. I'd say the father's very open. He was very, you know, yeah, yeah, bring it on. You know, it's nice to have a British guy in a family and trying badly to speak to me in English. But I slowly picked up Slovakian and, and that's not his fault. I mean, he speaks fluent Russian, which I certainly don't. Um, so he's, he's not ignorant for languages. It's just um, English wasn't in his schooling. And the mother was more cynical, I have to say, uh, initially. But I think that was more just like trying to take care of the daughter, making sure it wasn't some fly-by-night guy who just turned up and then disappeared, you know, and she wanted mm -hmm. to make sure we were in a longer relationship. That quickly went after about six months to a year. She suddenly realised that, you know, we were an item and we were going to stick. Um, and certainly when the kids came along, you know, that's um, changed the dynamic completely. With or without that acceptance, many foreigners choose to have children in Slovakia. This, of course, is not without its own unique problems. Mixed nationality couples can differ in their parenting styles and expectations. In-laws can intrude with their own demands. However, much of the difficulty in parenting as a foreigner stems from the language barrier. And because of this, important parental duties like taking the children to the doctor can be nearly impossible. Well, I have done on occasion, um, so mm -hmm. it's not... It's not purely her but again a lot of it's related to work so if I'm there and I'm the person in, you know in charge at that time then I'll do what I need to do I mean to be fair she put basically points me in the direction and tells me roughly what I need to do I mean I can talk well enough yeah. to you know say my, my child's ill and roughly what's wrong um but I won't be able to go into deep medical terminology you know once you mm -hmm. start talking about oncology or something like that or something serious and I'll be lost and uh, I think most foreigners would be to be fair unless you're absolutely fluent in the language deeply frustrating and then I spoke just before the interview I'm on a language course at the moment to improve my Slovakian and apply for citizenship it's mainly a step post Brexit um, mm -hmm. to enable more opportunities across the EU because at the moment I'm fixed in Slovakia should I find work elsewhere say in Poland or Czech um, I can't really take that on um, I'm fixed or tied by residency to Slovakia so that's part of it. But the other reason is it's getting to the stage now where my older daughter's more fluent than I am in Slovakian, of course, and I want to be able to understand her sarcasm and irony 
um, as much as she understands it in English. So <laughs> just level the playing yeah. field, really. Um, but that, that, that is a frustration. And of course, you know, just basic things like, you know, um, school paperwork will come in. And pre- previously, I mean, I'm getting to understand it now, but previously I didn't know what was coming in. Was this a food bill? Was this homework? Was this some, you know, letter of uh, attendance or something? It was just another piece of paper from, the, from or another email from the school. And of course, if you're parenting people, you, you know, you need to take on some responsibilities. Same with health, medical care, insurance, all those sort of things. You know, these are all things that you have to take on responsibilities. And, you know, to, to leave it all on, on the mother is slightly unfair. Um, and mm-hmm. to be fair, she does most of it, but it's not mm-hmm. fair on her. And I want to be able to lift my fair share. Unfortunately, language is a common issue for the children of migrants as well. She was born here. And uh, so slowly, slowly. Mm. At first, I talked to her in two languages, like for her just to know that there are at least two languages in the world. But then mm. when she started speaking, I stopped speaking Slovak because she started to repeat my mistakes, which I have because I haven't learned Slovak. I've just, yeah, I'm just living here and uh, inventing my, I still make mistakes. Anyway, so then we, of course, we have some friends and then she learns from them. But uh, the problem was that she uh, she already spoke some Slovak. Then the pandemic time started, so she had small rush in the house. Mm-hmm. And then, so there, there was just for two years. So it was she was two years old, and for two years, very important two years for speaking for the development. She didn't speak. She didn't hear almost any Slovak. And then when it was, when they allowed us to go and meet our friends, finally, she was really shocked that she couldn't understand a word. Like it, it, uh, these people were her friends, mm-hmm. but uh, due to the thing that she hasn't um, spoken any Slovak for these two years, she couldn't understand a word and as a sensitive child she was very shocked and like she she started blocking herself for this language and uh, now she's melting because she really likes it here and she likes Slovakia very very much so our three oldest were all born in america and mm-hmm. just a baby who's just going to be two in this upcoming december was born here in slovakia mm-hmm. so the three big ones um, uh, you know, definitely have their American and English roots. But our third child, our, our second daughter, she came here when we, I mean, we moved here when she was just about two. She had just turned two the week before. So actually, she's spent more time in Slovakia than she ever did in America. So she has like this kind of interesting situation because her English, like her American accent is really funny. She mispronounces a lot and we don't understand why. And it's actually because her Slovak influences her speech so much. And the other two, they had their English really well established and they have this like New York, New Jersey accent, just like I do. And it's pretty funny. And then you get to the third one and her English is all different and like confused and mixed with her Slovak. So it's very, very interesting to raise them between both countries. But the kids are multilingual, bilingual anyway. Um, my oldest speaks fluent, fluently in English. Um, there's no problems there, including the sarcasm. So I can curse myself for teaching her that. Um, and she's going to probably learn Russian as a third language. 
uh, which mm. seems a bit strange given the current situation. But hey, who knows where we're going to be in 10 to 20 years time? You know, that could be a very different mm. story there. Um, and if not, then Ukraine may be in a very different place and the languages are quite similar. So, you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's op- opportunity for her there and I encourage her on that. Uh, and then the younger three are not of the age yet where they're going to be fluent in anything. But um, uh, the my second daughter has Down syndrome, but she actually sings in English better than she does in Slovakian. Um, and my third speaks English pretty well. And the fourth yeah. actually answers questions in English. Uh, so if you yeah. put basic questions to her, she'll respond in English and she's quite cheeky right. and seems to be picking it up. So they'll, they'll all of them be bilingual at some stage, um, it's yeah. to some level. Um, I suspect my oldest, because she, she did go to preschool and um, school, junior school when she was in UK for about two and a half years. She'll probably be the, the most fluent of all of them. Um, but it, they're, all, they're all able to speak both languages. Mm-hmm. Multilingualism can both be a gift and a curse. The time spent with one language means less time for others. This can lead to miscommunication in the family and troubles at school. My daughter, Ava, who now attends high school, had this to say about her experience of studying English in school. Well, if I ever speaked up at English class in English, they would just look at me very differently, treat me like I should go home, I should not be here, this is not fair that I can speak and uh, that I don't have any worries in life, that I know everything and that uh, uh, you should treat me more unfair because I have an advantage. But now it's different. When I more I get older then people are more understandable and want to speak to me in English they want to practice with me or they want to be my friend so they can practice their English skills you feel like people use you sometimes I do feel that way because it's not that they want to be friends or just talk they want to use me for their own benefits. Every child wants to be accepted by their peers. Unfortunately, many children of migrants who attend public school find that acceptance is unattainable. All of their differences are exaggerated and viewed as strange. Even the act of bringing lunch to school can leave them open to ridicule. You're usually disgusted how weird or it looks different this can be. I'm American and I'm not eating unhealthy food. Well, I explained them that uh, every family is different and not all are the same. Uh, they would generally make fun of me for it or um, just ignore it. Or there could be people would want to try it, so I do offer them, but that would be very occasional. So for us, we didn't even expect that layer because at least in America, if our kids had to be in traditional schooling, we could kind of navigate the system and we could talk to people and fine. But here it was like way worse because not only were like the trappings of traditional education that don't work for us anyway present, but then there was also this level again of a huge wall put up because we were foreign. And I think that also affected our son. You know, like everybody knew he was not 
Slovak, even though, I mean, technically he is Slovak. You know, I can imagine it's harder for, for children who come here who are not ethnically Slovak and don't speak the language. That's a whole different level. But we are ethnically Slovak. We speak the language fluently, right? Like my son is fluent bilingual. And still he was like a total outcast. <laughs> These children of migrants search for an identity that goes beyond nationality and eventually find a sense of belonging. The same way I saw myself in UK with you know mother yeah, from Malaysia, yeah. China, and father from England, and moving around all the time. I suspect they'll, and at a certain age, I mean, bear in mind that I'm more mixed race than they are, mm-hmm. so it's very yeah. difficult for my daughters to tell. A couple of them are more Asian looking than the others, but they're mostly mostly European looking with some Asian features around the eyes, but facially and so on, they're they're quite European looking, brown hair, not black hair, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I suspect like many teenagers as I went through you start off trying desperately to blend in as you do for your teenage years so they'll probably ignore the fact that they're partly English or they have mm-hmm. an Asian background and so on and it won't be until their mid-20s they start exploring these other cultures and that's complete, completely normal the sort of pan-generational um, approach to development um, the same with people say for example who have parents from Jamaica and born in UK and then they, they ignore the fact they were Jamaican and they go back and start exploring Jamaica when they're in their 20s and 30s that's quite quite a normal sort of um, series of growth for many multicultural people in UK. Do you feel like you belong in Slovakia? Well I feel that way but it can be differently viewed when people look at me differently like I don't belong here then I do feel that way but when I from my perspective I think I do belong here although I maybe was born somewhere else but I lived here most of my life despite the many setbacks and problems migrants still believe that Slovakia is a great place to raise a family I mean, just statistically looking at it, comparing crime rates, for example, drug use, um, truancy, um, bullying, all these sort of statistics. So I was to compare a life for someone between 10 and 15 in Slovakia and a life between 10 and 15 for someone from the UK. From my own experience, I would say I'd rather be growing up in Slovakia by a long mm-hmm. shot, safer, healthier, happier place to raise uh, kids and be a kid. And more opportunities in UK. If you want to do anything, you pay for it, and a lot. If you want to do tennis, skiing, snowboarding, surfing, whatever you want to do, it costs a lot of money. Okay, the sea's not here near here, but you can drive down to Croatia in six to seven hours. I mean, you know, all these opportunities are still there, and it's a lot cheaper, it's a lot more affordable, and it's a lot safer in some ways. And you have a crowd of children who are not going to lead you to astray like you would probably find in UK. So just in many, many dynamics, it's a nicer place to, to raise children and for children to grow up in. Yeah, I think it's good. I, I think that Slovakia is like a pretty low-key country. There's gorgeous nature everywhere, kind of untouched. It's affordable. Um, there are great systems in place, like I said, for supporting families financially. There are lots of like before school, after school care options. Um, all with socialized medicine there's you know access to healthcare, um and it's so centrally located in europe that it makes it nice to experience other cultures i think that overall once you you know coming from another country once you kind of get past or not get past but understand the culture right like again like it's nothing to get past it like 
Slovak culture is special and it's unique and it has a lot of value. And so I think once you understand the Slovak culture, and especially once you speak a little bit of the language at least, then it's a really nice place to live. We're very happy here. It's not perfect, but America certainly wasn't perfect either. And that's why we left. So I would say we're much happier here in, in many ways than we ever were or could be in America. So, so for us, we're very thankful that we have Slovakia and we try to focus on all the good. Again, I think every place you move, no, everywhere is going to have its cons. And I think for us here, the pros outweigh the cons. Migrants give up so much to live in Slovakia and struggle mightily to create a better life for their families. And if things go well, these families for generations will be woven into the fabric of Slovakia's future. That is all for this episode. I want to thank my guests. I am Leah Bowers and I'm from Arizona. Well, I am Daria and I come from Russia. My name is Jamie Byrne. Uh, I'm originally from Edinburgh, Scotland. Oh, my name's Steve Miller. I'm from Great Britain. Riel Zahn from the United States. And of course, my mother, Barbara, and my daughter, Ava. As I mentioned before, this podcast and my series on migration is supported by Fusion, a program of the Milan Szymeczka Foundation whose goal is to create a platform for migrants living in Slovakia whose voices should be heard more in our society. Fusion hosts the Fusion Festival and, with the cooperation of migrants and their communities, organizes other events around the country to showcase the art, projects, perspectives, and stories of the lesser-known people. To learn more about their events, Hear the stories of other migrants in Slovakia and listen to this podcast series, visit fusion.sk. That's F-J-U-Z-N dot S-K. Also, follow them on social media. You can find the links in the show description. Next month, we'll turn our attention toward the immigration system. I hope you'll join us then. Thank you for listening and take care.